This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? Awesome. Well, uh, good morning. It's gl- great to be back here today. Uh, if, if you don't know or if you don't even care, uh, I'm going to tell you anyways. I've been in Africa over the last couple weeks, and it was absolutely incredible uh, working with one of our partners called Children's Cup that we support in missions. And, and let me just tell you something, church. You guys are doing some amazing things, and you probably don't even know it. And that's, that's one of the cool things I think about our church is that uh, just by your generosity, by the things that you're doing, just being faithful to trusting God, we're able to go and make an impact all throughout the world. And so I was in Africa for the last two weeks, and we were able to do uh, quite a few pastors' conferences, just teaching pastors, empowering pastors to better serve their congregations. But also, uh, we were able to adopt a couple of churches, and, and while we were over there, we were able to uh, purchase some land for some churches that you guys are a part of, and, and it's awesome that that because of your generosity, we can just go over there and we can see a need and go, you know what, we got that as a church, and, and just be able to purchase land for pastors, and we adopted this pastor, his his name is, is Pastor Jelly, and uh, I, I picked him because I could remember his name, because his name is Jelly, and, uh, and and so I called his wife Peanut Butter, and so they were awesome, um, and and they're they're just growing and, and just reaching people, and, and and man, they, they just, they, they were the kind of people that whether they were ever going to get help or not, they were just going to do it. And those are the kind of people that I love and that I identify with. And I was just like, man, let's just help these people. And so we as a church, we're sponsoring care points over there, which basically means that we're educating kids, we're feeding kids on a daily basis, and we're providing an outlet for them to come and hear the gospel message every single day through kids' Bible clubs. And so, man, because of your giving, that is happening. And so, man, I want you all to give it up for yourself because you guys are awesome. And uh, man, I'm proud of us as a church that that we get to do that. And so I'm excited this year. We're, we're gonna take some teams over there to be a part of that. And so you'll hear some more about that in 2014. If you'd like to go overseas with us to Africa, it will be amazing and it will change your life like it's changed mine. And uh, and so I'm excited for today. God's put some things on my heart. Uh, and before I kind of dive into that, next week we're starting a brand new series called Let Hope In. And, and I'm really excited about this series because... Um, during Christmas time, I think one of the biggest obstacles that people have is hope. Um, there's a lot of things that the, the holidays remind us of that are not hopeful. Maybe for, for some, it's, it's failed marriages and you were a kid, and so Christmas time isn't very hopeful because of some disappointments in life. For other people, they've lost loved ones or, or they've been separated from family. And so Christmas time is not a very hopeful time. There's a lot of disappointments. And I think one of the greatest things that we can do for people is we can help bring hope to them. And I think we have the greatest answer for hope, and that's Jesus Christ. And what they need to do is they need to let Jesus in and how they're going to find Jesus is through our lives. And so in this series, man, we're going to talk about how we can break through some of the, through, through some of the failed, failures in life, some of the mistakes in life, and how that we can really allow hope to come into our lives. And uh, that's really what Christmas was all about. It was God sending us hope so that we could experience it in the fullness. And so you're going to get invite cards on your way out after church. I encourage you to invite your friends, invite your family members, invite the person you don't like, because when they get hope, you might end up liking them. They just don't have hope right now, and so they're a jerk, okay? And so we need to give them hope and everything, everything will be good. So anyways, before I left, uh, I was telling you guys that God was doing some things in my life and God was challenging me personally in, in my own faith journey and in trusting him and stepping out and doing some things that were outside of maybe the comfort zone of my life. And, and I was thinking about that while I was gone over the past couple of weeks and, and God just started really talking to me about some of the moments in my life that have really gotten me to the place where I am. And, and, and I started thinking about the moments in life that have really um, moved me forward in my faith, that have really um, helped me to take my step in a closer relationship with God, that have really catapulted me to the next level. And, and I, I thought about all of the things that have done that, and all of those things happened in a moment. 
It was a momentary decision that I made that all of a sudden catapulted me to a new level and a deeper relationship with God and a deeper trust with God that all of a sudden I was experiencing things that I had never experienced before, but it came in the moment. And this is what I started to realize that all of us have moments in life where we have decisions that we need to make and what we do with that moment, what we do in that moment is gonna determine the place where we get elevated to in life. And a lot of us, moments are being presented to us all the time. Some of us, we just don't recognize those moments. Some of those moments just seem impossible to us. Some of us just, uh, maybe we see the moment, but we're a little scared and, and we let those things pass. And I was thinking about one of the things that really impacted our church. We started uh, in 2009 and uh, in our first year, we, we, we didn't really know anybody. We didn't have any, any real uh, influence in the community, I would say. And, and I had this crazy idea one day. I was driving through Collier City, um, and, and I saw all these kids walking around during the summer. And, and I noticed, I was like, what are we going to do to make a difference in this community? How are we going to change the culture of this community? Like, what is the greatest thing that we can do as a church to impact them? And, and I mean, of course, everybody's answer would be, oh, Jesus. But, like, what beyond Jesus could we do that would make a difference? Like, what is going to change not just their todays, but their tomorrows? In their lives, in their families' lives, in their, in their purpose in life, and in I really started thinking about the greatest thing that they that's going to change their life and give them an opportunity to get successful and maybe get out of the the environment that they're in is is a great education because if they get a great education they're going to have more job opportunities and those more more job opportunities are going to provide them a better quality of life and that better quality of life is going to help them get around other people that have a better quality of life and they're going to encourage those kids that live differently than they're currently living and I started thinking man we need to provide school supplies and backpacks for these kids as they're getting ready to go back to school and and we are like maybe like 60 or 70 people strong at church like and that was like a really good week um and if you were here during that time you know that was true there was like 30 of you in the center here and then everything else was empty it was it was horrible um it's horrible and and but we didn't care and I was like man you know we're gonna do that and I called up a guy and I said his name was Chuck and I said Chuck um can you get me a 50 foot lift and deliver it to 7-Eleven on Hillsborough and Lions Road next Friday and he's like why? I said, I, just, just give me a 50-foot lift, like a scissor lift. I don't care where it's from. I don't care what it looks like, as long as it'll go 50 feet in the air. And he's like, okay, I can probably do that for you. And in this moment, I, I had this grand idea that I was going to go live in a 50-foot lift and raise a 1,000 backpacks and school supplies for kids. Um, and, and I'm the kind of person that's a ready, fire, aim kind of person, so I don't think everything through. And so I get there Friday, and, and I get a banner made that says, help us raise a 1,000 backpacks for underprivileged kids in our community and I jump in this lift and I raise myself up 50 feet in the air and and over the next 24 hours we acquired three backpacks um and I'm living up here I'm not coming down so bathroom breaks everything's happening in the 50 foot lift exposed to the entire corner of Hillsborough and Lions Road and uh and those three backpacks came from Shayla and I so we weren't making a lot of progress and uh and I was like man God like like like, I'm taking a step of faith here. Like, I see there's this problem in this community, and I know that we can be the solution to it, and, and this just isn't working. And so I started praying, and a guy called me up. I had my cell phone with me, and he said, hey, is it okay if I call some newspapers and some, and some TV stations and some radio stations here locally and just let them know what we're doing? And I was like, that would probably be a good idea because we got three backpacks, and I said I'm not coming down until we get 1,000, and, and I've been up here for 24 hours. It's not looking real good. And so uh, about 24 hours, passed we we maybe got up to 15 backpacks um yeah like some people felt sorry like what's going on and and dropped off some backpacks and all of a sudden we started getting phone calls from radio stations and tv stations and newspapers and 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 people started we started going all over the news nationally and and in a moment this problem that we saw of kids not having school supplies and not having the opportunity that they might have because they weren't prepared for their moment, all of a sudden we got catapulted to the national stage and, and organizations started calling us up and saying, hey, however many backpacks you raise, we'll match it backpack for backpack, school supply for school supply. And so all of a sudden we started throwing all this stuff out on Twitter and on Facebook and, and backpacks and money and all this stuff started coming in. And before we knew it, within 12 hours of that time, 
we had raised over a thousand backpacks on our own and this organization came in and matched every single one of those backpacks. And it was an amazing thing of seeing God just show up in a big way because we saw a problem that existed and instead of ignoring the problem that was before us and turning around and walking away and saying, hey man, I hope somebody does something about that. We said, you know what? We've got a solution to that problem. We've got, we've got an answer to that problem, and, and I'm not going to run away from it, but I'm going to address it. And today we're going to be looking in 1 Samuel chapter 17 of a guy who addressed a problem as well. And I believe that, that this story and, 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 and some things in his life is really going to speak to us today. Because I think a lot of us, there are some problems going on in our lives, and a lot of us are ignoring those problems. A lot of us are, are just hiding ourselves from those problems. And God really wants to use the problems to do something amazing inside of our lives. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17 Verses 49 and 50, it says, David put his hand in his bag, and he took out a stone, and he slung it, and hit the Philistine in the forehead, and the stone sank into his forehead. And he fell on his face to the ground, and David defeated the Philistine with a sling and a stone. And even though David had no sword, he struck down the Philistine and killed it. David and Goliath, the classic tale of the, the, the underdog versus the, the overpowering person or the overpowering force. I mean, you don't, you might not know the story of David and Goliath, but we've all heard the analogy of David and Goliath. I mean, it happened this past weekend. There was a common David and Goliath story. There was the, the powerhouse, the giant called the Florida Gators. They're, they're this giant in the college football landscape. And all of a sudden there was the David that came on board called Georgia Southern and showed up and kicked the crap out of the Gators. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Like, we all love to see a giant fall, don't we? Like, we love the underdog story. We love when somebody sees a problem, they saw that there was this giant, they said that, oh, you can't beat them, you're a Division II school. And they showed up, and they believed, and they trusted, and they showed up for the moment, and something magical happened right there. And a lot of us think that the, the success happened overnight. A lot of us think that, that when we slay the giants of life, that those things happen overnight. But this is what I know. Georgia Southern has been practicing all year. This is what I know. David had been growing in his stature, had been honing his skills. And, and a lot of times we think success happens overnight. But the reality is, is there's a preparation that takes place in people's lives. There's a preparation that happens that prepares us for the moment where we're going to make a decision that's going to radically transform the landscape of our life. But the reality is, is because most of us have not prepared for the moment when the moment comes, when the problem comes, when the obstacle is facing us, because we haven't made the preparation for it, we cower in that moment. Then we run. And I believe that God is calling all of us as a people, as individuals, as a church, not to cower against adversity, not to cower against problems, but to step up because what we fail to realize is that our problems are our pathway to our promotion. The problems that we're facing today are the path that's going to allow us to get to the promotion that God wants to take us. Because what we see as obstacles, really God is setting up as stepping stones for us. If we'll address them, if we'll run towards them, if we'll overcome them. And the worst thing that can happen for our lives is when that moment comes is we miss that moment. What we call that is we call that Regret the would-haves, the could-haves, the should-haves in life. And we all have some of those. If we were to look back on our life, we would go, man, there's, man, I wish I would have done that in that situation. Man, I, I wish I would have made that decision. Oh, man, if I would have just done that. And so my question for us today is, is what are the things that we need to address that are right before us? And how do we prepare ourselves for the moment when it comes in our lives? Because this is what I know about your life and this is what I know about my life. There is a moment that's coming. Or there is a moment that's right before you. And how you respond in that moment, what you do in that moment is going to determine what happens in your life. It's going to determine the ascent that you're going to make in your relationship with God. And I believe that God is preparing us for an opportunity. He's bringing us to a season to get ready for something great to happen in us individually, to happen in us corporately, to happen in us as a church as a whole, not just our church, but the, the big C, church. And we gotta be ready for that. And I think there's some lessons that we can learn from David's life and, and we can apply them in our lives. And, and the first one is this, is we gotta know who 
you are and whose you are. You got to know who you are and whose you are. Because this is what I know about David. David knew something about his life that nobody else knew or nobody else recognized. David knew that there was a call of God on his life. David knew that he had a sense of purpose in his life. Man, he knew that there was something different about his life, that God wanted to use his life, and that something great was going to happen with it. And let me just tell you something. There is something great that God intended for your life. I know some of you guys think that your life is a mistake or that you're not worth anything and there is no plan for your life. But let me tell you something. You are not a mistake. You have a call. You have a purpose on your life. God wants to do something great with your life. He didn't just mess up and say, oh, snap, sorry about that. He's like, man, no, in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. If God's got a hope and a future for you, don't you think you should find out what that is? Don't you think you should not stop living as if you're hopeless? And realize that you're hopeful because God's got something for you. You aren't there just living life, waking up every day to suck oxygen off the face of the earth and then die. Like that's not what you were made for. You were made for so much more than that. And some of you guys today, you need to recognize, you need to wake up out of your sleep and recognize, man, man, I am somebody. God made me as somebody. God's got a plan for my life and that plan is good. And he wants to do something great. He wants to prosper my life. That isn't a financial thing. That means, man, he wants to grow your life. He wants to to be abundant. He wants to make a difference with it. You're not here to not make a difference. He set you on this earth to make a difference somewhere, someplace, somehow, some way. It's just, are you going to dive into it and recognize it? And David recognizes this. He realizes this. And let me kind of set up the story. What's happening is, as, as we dive into some verses here, basically um, Samuel, who's a prophet uh, of, of God, has come to Jesse, who is David's dad, and said, man, you know what God's told me? I'm going to come anoint one of your sons as the next king. There's currently a king. His name is Saul. But God's spirit has left him. And, man, I'm, I'm here to bring uh, and anoint somebody else as the future king. And so he brings out a son. He's like, nope, that's not it. And he's good looking. He's got all the attributes and the next son and the next son and the next son. And he's like, nah, that's not, that not any of them. And finally he goes, man, do you have any more kids? And he's like, man, I got a, I got a kid that's hanging out with sheep. You know, he's not very bright, uh, but he is good looking. And so I'll bring him in. And he brings him in and, 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 and Samuel says, that's the one. That's the one, man. There's something about him. He's got a purpose. He's got a call of, on his life. And he anoints him as king, and then he goes right back out to the shepherd's field. Some of you guys, God has called you to something right now. You've got a purpose and a plan. Man, you've, you know that he's got something great for your lives, and you feel like you're out tending sheep. Let me just tell you something. God has you in a process, so you'll eventually be able to fulfill your purpose. But if you don't ever go through the process, you'll never be ready for the purpose. And so he sends him out to the fields to become faithful with where he's at, to know that he can trust taking care of the smaller things before he gives him some bigger things. And before long, because the Spirit of God has departed Saul, Saul says, man, I I, I need something to soothe my soul. And so one of his guys was like, man, I was at the record store the other day, and there was this dude that was playing the harp, and he was a baller. And like, you should bring him in. I guarantee you some harp music. Man, I don't know about you, but when you're depressed, if you listen to some harp music, you will slit your wrist. But for Saul... But for Saul, it made him feel good. And so he's like, man, get me that boy. And it happened to be David. David shows up, and he starts jamming on the harp. Um, He's playing Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls or whatever he's playing. And, like, Saul's like, man, that's my jam. And, uh, like, he feels good in that moment. And he's like, man, I want to keep this guy here. And so all of a sudden, this guy that's a shepherd who's anointed to be king, how would he ever learn how to become a king unless he somehow made it into the palace, is brought into the palace because it's a process to the plan? And he's there, and he's playing, and he's soothing Saul, and before long, he needs to go home and continue to care for the sheep because he's still got responsibility there. And, and while he's at home caring for the sheep, his dad says, you know what, My, the, the rest of the kids are out of the battle lines. And he says, listen, like, I've just made some brownies and some bread, and, and I need you to go to the battle lines. I need you to deliver this to them because they're probably hungry. And so we pick up the story in, in verse 26. And, and David has just arrived at, at, the, at where his brothers are, and it says this. David spoke to the men who were standing with him. 
What will be done for the man who kills that Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Just who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? The people told him about the offer, concluding, that is what will be done for the man who kills him. So basically, David's arrived. They, they, he sees Goliath come out, and Goliath is roaring and ranting. And, and, and man, David's like, what's up with that? Like, aren't we God's people? And they're like, yeah, but we're scared. And he's like, well, what happens if somebody kills that joker? And he, they, So they tell him, man, you're going to get hooked up. You're going to get Saul's daughter. Like, you're going to get a wife. Some of the single guys are like, can I go kill somebody and get a wife? And so, uh, but anyways... It's pretty motivating. And then he goes on and it says, David's oldest brother Eliab listened as he spoke to the men and became angry with him. Why did you come down here, he asked. Who did you leave those few sheep with in the wilderness? Basically, he's, he's like, man, don't you got some responsibility to go take care of? And, and that responsibility isn't that big of a deal. So why don't you go back to that instead of bothering us? He's kind of a jealous brother. He says, I know your arrogance and your evil heart. You came down to see the battle. And David goes, what have I done now? It was just a question. Then he turned from those beside him to the others in front of him and asked about the offer. And the people gave him the same answer as before. See, David knew that there was a call of God on his life. He knew who called him and who he was. But this is what I found, that when you start to figure out who God has called you to be, there's always going to be some haters surrounding you. There's always going to be some people that are critical of what you're doing. They're going to question your motives. They're going to question your call. They're going to call you out. They're going to be saying, man, are you really sure that God did you that? Are you sure that's not you just, just wanting to be great? Are you sure that's not that? And they're always going to try to pull you down to that position. And haters are everywhere. And usually they're the people that are closest to you for some reason. I don't know why that is, but it always seems like family wants to hate on you the most. And I experienced this this morning. Man, I was getting ready for church, and I'm kind of a diva when it comes to clothes. If you haven't noticed, I love clothes. Man, my love language is shoes and clothes. And so uh, I was getting ready this morning, and, and I, put on, I put on an outfit, and, uh, and, and I walked in, and I, I thought I was looking pretty good. And, and so I walked in, I'm like, Shayla, how does this look? And she's like, ooh, that doesn't look very good. And uh, I'm like, why are you hating, you know? And I'm like, I like this. And she's like... That's fine, you like that, but you don't look very good in that. And so, like, I stormed out of the room, and I went into a, a little sitting room where I study, and I was sitting there pouting, and she's like, can I tell you the truth? And I'm like, yeah, but I don't like the truth. And, uh, and, and I really like that outfit because it made me look slim, and, you know, it's slimming. Anytime you can find a slimming outfit as a guy... Girls, maybe you can relate. You know, you find that that shirt that makes you that gives you a good V and stuff. You're like, bam, got that. And uh, and so like, I'm like, man, I went back in my closet. I took that off. I put my jacket because I'm having one of those fat days. You know what I'm saying? And so the jacket was like one of those things that like covers it all up. And guys have it too. It's okay. It's okay. Feeling a little bloated right now. Okay. I was like, babe, why are you going to be so critical, man? I just want to feel good about myself. If I feel good about myself, I'll preach better, and I just feel horrible. So easy to get, get caught up in the critical people, getting caught up in people's opinions, because this is what I know. People have lots of opinions about you, but God's got a plan for you. And you can get caught up in their opinions, and you can dwell on their opinions, or you can focus on who God has called you to be. And this is what I know about people. People are like crabs in a bucket, man. As soon as you get a vision for getting out, somebody else is grabbing you from behind and pulling you down. And that's exactly what's happening in this story. David is sitting there talking. He's like, hey, what's up? What, what happens to the person who gets this? And his brother, who's standing beside him, gets him to turn and says, man, what are you doing? Why are you talking about that, man? You need to go back. And this is what I know. Critical people will always get you to get all focus of where you're going. And so David's turned and he's addressing him and all of a sudden he realizes, man, this dude is trying to turn me away from the things of God. I need to turn back towards God. And so he looks to the people ahead of him, to the people of where he's going. And he says, hey, tell me again what's up. Tell me again what happens if this happens. And he gets focused back on those things. And for you and I, it's so easy to get focused on what other people are trying to take us and where other people are trying to tell us instead of missing, instead of focusing on what God has for you. And it's so important that, that we learn how to conquer those voices that are all around us. And a lot of times those voices are within us. Before you can conquer the world, you've got to conquer yourself. And a lot of us, we're allowing these naysaying voices within us to say, oh, you're not good enough. 
Oh, you're not smart enough. Oh, you're this and you're that. And you need to stop those things and say, no, God says, I am. God says, I am a more than conqueror. And so those things that are holding me back, I need to step up and believe that. 11 verse 38, it says, then Saul, what happens is, is David basically says, man, I'll take this dude on. And uh, he, he, and so because he says that, nobody else has been willing to say that. They bring him before Saul, who is the current king. And this is what Saul says. And it says, then Saul had his own military clothes put on David. He put a bronze helmet on David's head and had, a, had him put on armor. David strapped his sword over the military clothes and tried to walk. But he was not used to them. I can't walk in these, David said to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off. Instead, he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in the pouch in his shepherd's bag. Then with his sling in hand, he approached the Philistine. See, what happens here is, is, is Saul assumes something that I think a lot of people assume about us. See, when people see obstacles, when people see problems in your life, when people see things that are not going the way that they should be going, they automatically assume that the way that they would handle that situation is the same way that you should handle it. And so Saul sees that there's a Philistine that wants to do battle, and David's stepping up to the game to, to battle him, and he automatically thinks, well, David's going to fight him the way that I would fight him. David's going to do the same thing. He's going to go do hand-to-hand -hand combat with a warrior, even though he's just a little boy. And, and he starts to put all these things on him. And this is what I know about you and I, is that other people will put the expectations that are unrealistic on you if you allow them to. A lot of people are throwing things on you today saying, you need to be this and you need to do that and you need to go here and you need to look like this. And if you know who you are and whose you are, you don't need to listen to the expectations of other people. You need to listen to who God's called you to be. And what David recognizes is he says, man, I'm not somebody that does hand-to-hand -hand combat. That's not what God's called me to be. In fact, if you were to look into the military aspects of that day and age, there were three types of military uh, objectives. There were, there were people who did hand-to-hand -hand combat. There was the, the artillery, the, the people that would come in on swords and, and, and on horses with swords, and they would do things like that. And then there were slingers. So there's these three different groups of people. And, and so this Philistine comes out, and he's a warrior. He does hand-to-hand -hand combat. That's why he has a spear that weighs 15 pounds, and he's wearing... 125 pounds worth of armor. He's basically wearing my wife as armor, you know, her weight. And so, like, he's holding on to her. And I don't know if you all have ever just walked around with 125 pounds. You're not, there's not a lot of mobility there, uh, except for maybe if you're Terry. He, like, squats 600. So he, maybe he can do that. But for the rest of us normal people, like, that's a lot. And, and so, and, like, David, like, puts all this stuff on, and, and he's carrying all this other guy's armor and all these other guys' expectations. He's like, man, this just ain't me. Because the thing that makes him him, his uniqueness is the fact that he's a slinger, that he's agile, that he's quick, that he's got skills. And so he realizes that, man, if I go and try to meet all these expectations that other people have, then I'm never going to be who God's called me to be. And I'm never going to be able to defeat the giant that's here before me. And I think what happens to a lot of us is a lot of us, because of all these expectations, we all become a whole bunch of copies. Instead of becoming the person that God's called us to be, which is unique, which is different, which we have our own skills and our own abilities and our own gifts and our own talents. And my gifts and talents are not your gifts and talents. And, and your gifts and talents are not my gifts and talents. And that's the beauty of it. Is that God's plan for my life is not God's plan for your life. And your plan that God has for your life is not my plan. And if you try to put your plan on me, I'll fail at it. And if I try to put my plan on you, you'll probably fail at it as well. And David recognizes this, and he realizes that, man, God isn't a mass producer. That's not who he is. God is a God who, who is a handcrafter who builds one at a time. And the greatest thing that we could do is realize that the gifts and the talents that God has given us is that's God's gift to us. And our gift back to God is using those in the way that he's called us to use them. And I recognize this, man. When I was, I was on staff at the church that I was at, um, I love my pastor. He spoke here a couple weeks ago. His name is Randy Bizette. He's unbelievable. Um, and, and he's crazy and he's awesome. He's a great communicator. But he and I are really, really different. 
Um, he's funny and Cajun and has all these quirky jokes. When I tell quirky jokes, y'all just look at me like I'm crazy because, like, I just don't do them well. Um, and, and it's just, we're just different. And I remember the entire time I was on staff there, uh, up until about year six, man, I was trying to be Randy Bazette. I was not T.J. McCormick. And so every time I would get up and speak, I would try to be Randy Bazette, and I would try to tell jokes like he would tell, and I would say things like he would say them. And every time it was, like, horrible. And I was like, man, this is I don't even like this message, like, let alone will other people ever like it. And, and finally, one weekend I, that I was speaking, I was just like, man, I'm just going to be me. I'm just going to say whatever I feel like, I'll probably offend a whole bunch of people, uh, and, and say some things that will get emails on, and I did. And it was probably the best message I'd ever preached in my life up to that point. And I had more people respond and more people uh, come through and, and make decisions for Christ because I realized, man, I need to be who God's called me to be. And you need to be who God's called you to be. And not allow the haters to pull you back, not allow the unrealistic expectations of others to keep you from being who God's called you to be because God has a destiny for your life. Just like God was in control of David's life, God's in control of your life if you'll just allow him to be. And so we need to, we need to know who we are and whose we are. And then we need to don't fear what most fear, but we need to fear what most don't fear. Don't fear what most fear, but fear what most don't fear. Because it's easy to fear what most people fear. It's easy to get into that game. And this is exactly where the children of Israel were. In verse 4, it says, Then a champion named Goliath from Gath came out, the Philistine camp. He was nine feet tall, nine inches, wore a bronze helmet, bronze scale of armor that weighed 125 pounds. He, there was bronze armor on his shins and a bronze sword slung between his shoulders. His spear shaft was like a weaver's beam. An iron point in his spear weighed 15 pounds. In addition, a shield bearer was walking in front of him. And every time I read that, I, I think to myself, oh my gosh, like that dude was as tall as a basketball goal. Like that is a big dude. And when I, when I would see somebody that's that big, that's intimidating. And when I think about him, I think about if I saw somebody that wanted to fight me, my first inclination is going to be to run the other way. Some of y'all are laughing. You're like, no, I'll take him on. You're a bunch of liars, okay? Some dude's 10 foot tall. Like you're driving to the hoop. You, let's just put it in a basketball game. You got a 10 footer standing at the hoop. You're not going to the rim on them. You guys aren't basketball fans. Never mind. Okay. Like there's just no way you're going to do that. And so many times we see things in life that are just like Goliath. But our realities. They're a giant that seems insurmountable. It might be an addiction that you're facing here today. Maybe you've been hooked on some mollies for a while or some other prescription drug. Or maybe you've been, you've been drinking too much. And, man, it's got you hooked. And you just want to get off of it, but you can't. It seems insurmountable. Maybe for others of you, it's a, it's a financial pressure. Maybe you've acquired a ton of debt, and you look at it, and it's just a mountain of debt, and you're underneath of it, and you're like, there's just no way I could ever get out from underneath this. And you're, you feel like you're being crushed by the pressure, and it's, it's easy to fear that thing. It's easy to run from that thing. Maybe it's some relational tension between you and some family members. In fact, in the holidays here, man, this is one of the greatest times that people face the most stress in their families. Maybe there's something you said or something somebody else said, and all of a sudden there's this divide in the family, and it's, it's us against them, and, and we got to come together and be all happy and, and joyful, and yet, but you don't want to face that thing, and you say, man, if I go home, I'm going to have to deal with that thing, and that just seems insurmountable, and I don't really want to talk to mom about that, or I don't want to address that with my siblings, and it just seems so overwhelming and it's so easy just to run from that thing it's so easy just to be afraid of that moment and a lot of times what happens to us is we just get paralyzed and we just say i'm just i'm just gonna ignore everything that has to deal with that just gonna ignore it about a year ago i was uh i was getting ready for a staff meeting and i was i was just uh, assessing some things in my life and 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 i was I got to this point where I just sat down and I started making a list of things that I was afraid of because I was so tired of, of living in fear of certain things. And, and I, I wrote some things down and I put it in here. I grabbed it out of my journal this morning. And uh, one of the things I was, I was really afraid of is, is I'm really afraid of failure. Um, like I hate to fail at things. And so uh, 
in order not to fail, if I feel like I can fail at it, like I'll just not do it so that way I don't ever have to fail. I only do things that I'm successful at. Um, maybe anybody can relate to that. I don't, I don't like failure. It's, it scares me, and, and I don't know what that's going to look like. Another thing that, that I wrote down that I, I, I struggle with because of just personal insecurities is acceptance. I want everybody to like me, and I've come to the realization that not everybody likes me, and I don't know why. I mean, I'm a likable guy. You know, like, I smile, I give high five. I mean, come on. Like, what, I'm bald, beautiful. I mean, bald people unite here. Like, like, like we're likable people. I know it could be intimidating, but it's not. I promise. Like, come say hi. Um, and, and, but, you know, I realized that, that people weren't going to accept me. And, uh, and then I, I wrote down some more real ones that, that were even closer to my, my heart is things like my fear was that the, the church wouldn't grow. And, um, and because it wouldn't grow to my expectations, I, I wouldn't ever see myself as successful. And because I wouldn't see myself as successful, then I would see myself as a failure. And it started just, I started looking at these things and it just started catapulting. Another one was is that, you know, uh, when, when I give altar calls and different things, people won't respond. And, and I started thinking about these things. And I was reading through this list and I was like, man, this is a pretty extensive list. And I was like, man, this is... This is bad. And God, like, tapped me on the shoulder, and he says, man, I got a problem with your list. And I was like, yeah, because I'm bad. Like, there's, there's big problems with this list. He's like, my problem isn't with the list, the things that are on it. My problem is the thing that's not on it, and that's me. Because a lot of us, we have a lot of fears in life. We have a lot of fears and personal insecurities, and we fear those things, and those things keep us from doing things. But the thing that we miss out that we should fear the most is God himself. And missing out on a moment when God calls us to do something because we're afraid of facing that moment. And it just, it just like punched me right between the eyes. Like, oh my gosh, like I have all these petty things. And the biggest, most important thing that I say in my life is not even on my list. It's one of the reasons why I really love this story. Because David wasn't afraid what everyone else was afraid of. He was afraid of missing God. And missing out on what God had for him in that moment in verse 32 and 33 it says this David said to Saul don't let anyone be discouraged by him referring to Goliath your servant will go and fight this Philistine man he says listen you don't have to be afraid of what everybody else is afraid of because I got this I got this thing and he said but Saul replied you can't go fight this Philistine you're just a youth he's been a warrior since he was young and basically what he's saying is he's saying listen you're not you're not good enough you're not ready for this and 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 this is what I would tell you. People are going to tell you all the time, you're not ready for it. You're not, you can't do that. Don't let other people's limited thinking limit your life. Don't let it limit your life. God's got an unlimited possibility for you. In verse 34 it says, And David answered Saul, Your servant has been tending his father's sheep. Whenever a lion or a bear came and carried off a, a lamb from the flock, I went after it, struck it down, and rescued the lamb from its mouth. If it reared up, it, up against me, I would grab it by its fur, strike it down, and kill it. Your servant has killed lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of God. I love that part right there, man. This uncircumcised Philistine basically is saying, this is something that's against God. And God's got a plan for my life, and he's anointed us as his army. And if he's got our backs, then who can stand against us in essence? And David said, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. If you don't, do, and, and, and he says, will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. And basically what he's saying is he's saying, listen, listen, there's been a lot of things that have happened in my life and I've taken care of all the little things and I know that God has got me through all the little things and so now, uh, now I'm ready to take on the big thing. And this is what I know about your life. If you don't start defeating the small things that are popping up in your life, the small problems right now, the little difficulties right now, if you don't start addressing those things, you'll never be ready for the big giants that are gonna come your way. You're gonna miss your moment because you've been ignoring the opportunity to build your faith. You've been ignoring the opportunities to get past the fearful moment so you don't have to react like everyone else so you can react in the manner that God would have you react and that's fearing him, not fearing your opposition, not fearing your obstacle, not fearing your problem. God hasn't called us to live with a spirit of fear but of power, love, and a sound mind and when we get focused on him, we won't look at all those other things. We're gonna look at what God says. And this is what I know is that God is not going to ask us to do the impossible if we've not been faithful with the minimal. And God is saying, what are the little things right now that you're ignoring in your life? What is that, that small issue that if you keep ignoring it, one day is going to be a really big issue? 
Because what I'm doing is I'm preparing you right now for the season that's going to happen later on. And the preparation is so important in the process because eventually if you're going to fulfill the purpose and plan that I have for you, then you need to take care of these little things right now. Because they're going to set you up for the success that I have for you later on in life. And so we got to know who we are and whose we are. And we don't need to, to run away from We don't need to fear the things that everybody else fears. We need to fear the thing that no one else is fearing. And finally, we need to run towards what others run away from. We need to run towards what others run away from. Because Goliath was was a big dude. And when obstacles and problems come our way, man, people don't run towards them. We all have a tendency to run away from them. Our tendency is to run in the opposite direction but throughout this story we see david act so differently than everyone else in verse 22 it says david left his supplies in the care of the quartermaster and ran to the battle line he ran to the battle line the the place where everybody else was running from it says when he arrived he asked his brothers how they were while he was speaking to them suddenly the champion goliath the philistine from gath came forward from the philistine battle line and shouted his usual words which david heard and when all of israelites men saw goliath they retreated from him, terrified. They retreated 40 days, it says. It says 40 days, Goliath came out and threw out the same crap that he threw out on day one. And every day these people retreated. And the day that David gets there, everybody is running this way, away from the problem. And David sees the problem and he starts running towards it. David does the exact opposite of what everybody else does. And so many times, our propensity is to go with the crowd and go with everybody else and run away from the issues, to run away from the problems, to run away from the obstacles that are before us. And God has not called us to run away, but to run to those things, to not allow things to fester in our lives. Because that giant, man, I I guarantee, like, he just wasn't as intimidating on day 40 as he was on day one. Like, if they would have just addressed it on day one, it wouldn't have been built up to the hype that it was by the was on day 40 because problems always get bigger over time they always escalate over time if they would have just addressed it from day one and said man we're going to take that joker out but they didn't they let it escalate and before long everybody's running away and, and David's saying, man, we can't just all run away, man. We gotta run to this. We gotta address this thing. We gotta understand that this is the place where we're gonna have the greatest opportunity. What everybody else saw as this major, major challenge, David saw as his unique opportunity. And what everybody else is seeing around you as a major, major challenge that is insurmountable, that's over, unovercomable, is your opportunity to let God shine through your life. It's just, are you gonna seize that moment because think about it at your work the people at your work who get promoted don't get promoted because they're just come to the office and say hey we've got a problem here the people who can just point out problems because pretty much all of us can go into any situation and find a problem can't we i mean we're good at finding problems the people who get promoted at work are the people who solve problems the people who get the raise solve problems If you just always come in and say to your boss, hey, man, we've got a problem today, they're going to go, that's great. The people that come in and say, you know what, we've got a problem, but here's what we can do about it. They're the ones who get elevated every single time. And God right now is allowing some problems. He's allowing some issues. He's allowing some things to come into your life. And, And it's in those moments that we have the opportunity to face the challenge and seize the opportunity or miss it and allow somebody else to seize it. But this is what I know is that our pathway to promotion is through our problems. But are we going to take those problems on? I, I think about it as a church. You know, we, we saw Collier City. I was driving through there one day when we were first starting the church. And I saw the problem there. And, and, and I started talking to the community. And I realized that police officers, in fact, this is what a police officer told our team one, one Saturday. They were out there. He said, if I could take some bombs and just throw it in this neighborhood and blow it up, I would. Because it's a problem for us. 
There's so much crime. There's so much drugs. Like, it would be easier just to destroy it than it would be to deal with it. And so what everybody saw as a problem, they were running away from. They just wanted to ignore it. They wanted to get rid of it. We saw as an opportunity. We said, man, we're going to go make a difference in that community. We're going to go have influence in that community. We're going to go in there, and we're going to go door to door, and we're going to see needs. We're going to meet needs. We're going to pray with people. We're going to lead people to Christ. We're going to give away shoes. We're going to give away backpacks. We're going we're gonna to experience a resurrection in this community. And I'll tell you what, man, it's not there yet, but it's coming that way. God is up to something because we're not going to ignore the problem any longer. We're going to see that problem as our opportunity to make a difference for Jesus in that community. And we're going to do whatever it takes to make sure every man, woman, and child has multiple opportunities to know who Jesus is. And that's going to change the culture of that community because we're in there making a freaking difference. Instead of just ignoring it and going, man, I hope somebody just throws a bomb in there. It's part of the reason why as a church we, we started seeing that there was this issue between, between the west side of, of, of Broward County and the east side of Broward County. And we started noticing that, man, there was this divide that people that lived east in 95 wouldn't come to church out here. And, and we had a slogan as a church, we want to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church. And, and so if we want to make it easy for people to go to church, then how are we going to make it easy for them over there? Are we just going to ignore the fact that people over there want Jesus and they're looking for a church and they haven't been able to find a place where they can connect and say, man, we're going to pray for you. We hope that you find some place or we're going to do something about it. And so we saw a problem and we said, you know what? We're going to go and provide a, a solution to that problem. And so that's why on January 26th, we're going to go start another service over there and start another campus over there to reach more people for Jesus Christ. Because we're not just going to ignore the problem. We're going to go address the problem. And that problem is going to be our pathway to promotion, to having more influence in our community so we can spread the gospel of Christ. Because that's what it's all about. And what do you have today that's before you that everybody else is saying that's a problem that God has, has put you in front of so that you can recognize? The reason you recognize that's a problem is because God has put within you the solution to it. And it's time for you to, instead of ignoring it, instead of just say, saying, I hope that'll go away or somebody else will do something about it, it's time for you to step up and make a difference in that area. And God has called all of us to make a difference. And so instead of ignoring it, let's do something about it. Let's be the church. Oh, sorry, I'm a little, little fired up about that. I'm tired, of, I'm tired of pansy Christianity that we just, oh, bless God, I hope the world changes. No, Jesus told us to go. Go. Like, this is awesome. We all sit here. Well, I stand. Y'all sit. But if all we're doing is sitting, man, I hope Jesus blesses us with hemorrhoids so we'll get up off of our butts. And do something. Like we're called to, to be a force on this earth. We're called to, to take the land. Man, and, and let's be a place that takes the land. Let's start changing our perspective instead of like, what can God do for me? What can I do for God? Because God has given me a purpose. He's given me a call. And I need to step up to the issues that I see, to the problems that I see, to the, to the things that are mounting all around me. And, man, the answer is within me. You know, I'm here today as the pastor of this church because of a problem. There's a problem at the church that I was at. It's a brand new church, 80 or 90 people full of a whole bunch of 20-somethings. And my wife and I, we were there, and, and I just quit my job at another church, and I was trying to figure out my life. And I just told my pastor, what can I do to help? And he said, he said, man, there's a whole bunch of 20-somethings. Can you help me connect them? And I said, yeah, I'll, let me do a small group. And so I, Shayla and I started this, the five love languages marriage small group. We added like a six and a seven shoes, and close to the love languages. So it became the seven love languages. But uh, we had about 20 couples showing up to our house every week on Wednesday night. And uh, man, we're just connecting these people. And, and as we're going through this, this small group semester that we had, and 
I started seeing potential in guys, and I was like, man, you know what? You could do this next semester. We have all these other young people that are coming. Would you lead a marriage small group? And I saw another guy, and I was like, man, you love sports. Man, would you put together a softball team for us so that we can connect guys that, that maybe don't know Jesus yet? And I, I saw another guy that was wise in business, and I was like, man, would you help some, some younger people as they're trying to get their finances in order and get them right? Would you lead a, a small group on finances? And I just started asking all these people to do these things. And before the end of that semester, when the next semester started, I had six other small groups going besides the marriage small group that my wife and I were doing. And my pastor looked and he said, man, the, the, like all of this age group is connected. Like everybody in our church that's in this age group is in a small group. And, and because of that, man, because you solved the problem of our church, man, will you come work here? Will you quit your business that you just started? And will you come, will you come lead groups here at our church? And, and, and all of a sudden, because I solved a problem in our church, God gave me a position in his house. See, a lot of us, we want to skip the process and we just want to jump right in the position without ever solving the problems that need to be solved so that we can build and develop the character that he wants us to have in our lives so that we can lead people after we solve problems. And the bigger the problems that you solve, the greater your ascent will be in life. And so if you just stick to small things, your ascent's going to be small. If you start getting into some bigger things, your ascent's going to be higher. The deeper you're willing to go into the valleys, the deeper you're willing to dig into your life to address the issues that are there, will determine the levels that you elevate in your life. And so today, church, man, my challenge for us is, is let's stop ignoring the problems. Let's stop running with the crowds and fearing what most fear. And let's start fearing God and missing out what he has for our lives and what he has for our church and what he has for the big church. Because he's got something great and he's trying to start a revolution. He's starting, he's starting a revival, but that revival starts first with us. It isn't a corporate thing before it's ever an individual thing. It has to be individual before it becomes corporate. And so we need to go and we need to kill some problems in our lives. We need to defeat some giants. And this is what I know, as you start defeating giants, what happens is the rest of the Philistines scatter. The problems that seem insurmountable right now, when you start killing some things in your life, everything else seems to go away. Because how many of y'all know, when you get some money in the bank, your car doesn't break down at that time, does it? Right, because you're solving problems. It's only in the inopportune times that they seem insurmountable. Church, let's live differently. Let's step up today. Let's run towards what God has for us and see him do a great work and deliver his people. Let's pray. This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Thank you.